Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, season previews continue. Ready to talk about the Deeks? Yeah, Connor O'Neill's with us. Connor, what's going on, man? Not much. Just, uh, you know, I guess five practices in. We're deep into fall camp now. Well, and all in a row is what it sounded like from uh, from what you were saying. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to get one day off here. We got one more practice. They go they go six in a row and kind of uh, break them in early and then get a day off. I mentioned getting a day off to their to their starting center the other day, and he kind of looked at me quizzically and was like, "Day off? That's that's a weird term." And he said that their meetings start at eight a.m. that day, and I was just kind of like, uh, "My bad, Mike. It's it's a day off for me." <laughs> Well, yeah, such is life as a football player these days, I guess. Um, something, something, pay the players. But in any case, Connor, uh, of course, long-term uh, member of the Wake Forest Beat, a super knowledgeable individual as it comes to this program. So thank you once again for joining us. We're looking forward to, to meeting and, and kind of uh, checking in once again on on the team that we lovingly refer to as the Steam and Deeks. Um, Connor, just off the top here, we've talked about this in years past, and and at, at a certain point in a coach's tenure, it's it's hard to look at that coach and think like, you know, yeah, he's just going to stick around for a while, or yeah, they they won't fire him, kind of thing. Just I mean, just the nature of the way that jobs are in in the country these days, in in the sport, and yet Dave Clawson enters what is this year six, year seven, year eight, year eight, yeah, exactly. Year I'm, eight. I'm getting old. Um, year eight. <laughs> And, and my understanding, the way you've described it in the past is, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of reason to think that they're going to look to move on from him. I don't think that he's going to look to move on from them. Yeah, it's it's a pretty stable position right now. I mean, you know, the the caveat here, I think we might have talked about this uh, last year, is, is when a new AD comes in, you always think of that AD wants to get their coach in the door. Um, and that's the case with John Curry taking over for Ron Wellman in 2019. But John Curry was at Tennessee and was close to the Tennessee football program when Dave Clawson was an assistant for that season back all the way in like, I think it was 2008 was that year. Um, they've, they've been long. They, they've had a long relationship uh, checking in on each other throughout their different career stops and that kind of thing. So, it wasn't like John Curry was inheriting Dave Clawson and he had to get married to Dave Clawson when he took the AD job. He knew Dave Clawson was the football coach and, and he knew that they would be able to work together. Uh, and that further adds to the stability. Um, Dave's last extension was two years ago. He's typically signed a new extension every two years. Um, 
two to three, I guess. You know, he might get another one if things work out this season. Uh, and, you know, with the, with the, you know, exception of you never know how somebody would react if you're going to come along and double their salary just right off the bat. Um, I think it, it's pretty safe to say that Dave Clawson is in Wake Forest for the foreseeable future. I was just surprised that he didn't really get a look with Tennessee the second time around, like a serious look like he did the first time. That was a little surprising to me after what happened with the first coaching search with what ended up being a disaster with Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. Uh, so Dave Clawson's name among the Tennessee fans and among the Tennessee brass is still kind of almost a curse word. Like, they, <laughs> And I don't get that. It, it goes back to uh, – that one season that he was the offensive coordinator, he got a lot of blame heaped on him for Phil Fulmer not going out the way that the fans wanted him to go out in his last year. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a deep, deep wound for Tennessee fans. Um, But yeah, I can, I can say with relative assurance that they will never hire Dave Clawson. Yeah, I I, Joey, I don't know, Joey. It's like it, real quick. It's like Scott Leffler with Beamer, and now he's just a meme on our podcast. <laughs> exactly. I I was gonna say I, I don't know who doesn't want each other more. Does Does Tennessee not want Clawson, or does Clawson not want Tennessee? Because I mean, if I'm him, I could see just like I've seen that whole circus up close and personal, and there is just no way in hell that I want to go get in the middle of that. Yeah, and he's even. I mean. Dave is is really comfortable being in Winston-Salem, being able to, when we're not in a pandemic, go out to eat and be with his family and not be interrupted with people telling him, hey, you need to give this slot receiver who's a converted quarterback a, a fake pass or, or, you know, you need to run the ball more. The, the typical, what does everybody want to tell the offensive coordinator? He really enjoys the relative anonymity that comes with, being a football coach in a in a little bit of less uh how do i say this without offending knoxville um <laughs> please offend knoxville less less feverish fan base i guess you can say that was well done well done yeah excellent you can still come up with the words uh sometimes <laughs> oh man all right well connor let's let's move on to this year's wake team sam hartman last year I was actually pleasantly surprised at how good he looked, especially early in the year. Um, Joey and I were talking about it on the podcast a couple different times last year. We were just not really sure what to make of Sam Hartman going into the year because he had that freshman year where he played okay. And then Jamie Newman came in and we were like, oh, okay. Like he probably should have been playing more. And then now Sam Hartman's back. It's like, okay, does he go back to kind of just being the guy who was just a little bit worse than Jamie Newman, but I thought he made some strides last year. Yeah. The biggest thing about his season last year, and you have to remove from the equation, this like 15 play stretch in the, in the Duke's Mayo bowl. That was just like the worst imaginable stretch a quarterback could have. Mm-hmm. He really, he really eliminated the turnovers from his game. Uh, that those first nine games when he was a freshman starter in 2018, he would have two to three plays a game where it just looked like he was a high school quarterback and he panicked and 
threw the ball up for grabs against Florida State or tried to throw the ball from his knees against Tulane. And he was just trying to do way too much. And he really pretty much eliminated those plays. And and even the turnovers in the bowl game weren't those types of turnovers. They were just misreads or or not picking up on, on a defense's cues. And so that was the biggest area of growth for Sam. Uh, and, it, and it was impressive to, to see that he could go from those plaguing him as a freshman to 2019. He got in there like he, he started a game against Florida State and won. He came in against Syracuse in, a, in an overtime loss and almost won that game uh, coming back from like two scores down. Um, so it's not like he took all of 2019 off, but, but to see that growth from 2018 to 2020 – was really encouraging. And that's why I've been kind of saying like Sam is a really high floor guy. You know what you're getting from Sam. He's not going to go out every week and throw for 350 yards and like put himself in the Heisman conversation or something like that. But he's, he's going to give you a chance to win just about every game. And if, if you're, if you're at a place like Wake Forest, like what, what more do you want from a quarterback uh, than than somebody that's going to do that for you? I did want to ask real quick about that stretch in the Mayo Bowl because I mean it was it was one of the more bizarre things that I've seen. I I, I can remember watching that and just almost being confused of like how does it, like he had thrown something like 250 passes on the year coming into that second half and had thrown one interception. Yeah. And then throws four picks in like 12 attempts or something. I mean, it's something crazy. And and I wonder with you know not only that that kind of stretch of that's almost impossibly bad having a stretch like that, but then having that be like the last thing of your season and having to sit on that for the whole off season. Is there any concern in your mind that that's almost like a little bit mentally scarring or something that like you almost develop a sense of like the yips or something because you just can't break out of that? Yeah, so I'm smiling not because I'm a I'm a sociopath or anything, but I'm smiling because. <laughs> When we went into spring practice, sociopath would say, (laughs) we went into spring practice. I asked Sam about this and I asked him, you know, when, when's the last time you turned on the tape from the bowl game? He told me in the spring that he watched the tape every night before he went to bed from, and, and I did the math. It was like 76 days or something crazy. It was maybe even more than that. It was like, okay, Sam, you know, I get it, but move forward. Um, he said something to something else to me though. He, he quoted the, the famed Teddy Roosevelt speech about man in the arena and how the man in the arena is the only one who can judge other men in the arena and how nobody else knows what that person goes through. And that kind of gave me a peek into where his head was and, and kind of how he was dealing with it, how he had dealt with it and how he was moving forward. And I asked, uh, Dave Clawson last week, just to kind of follow up. I knew Dave was was probably not going to like the question. He, he didn't seem to mind it, but you know, Sam Hartman is going into his fourth year as a college quarterback. He's been through some wars already. He's got three years of eligibility. So if he wants all of those years of eligibility and he's still an effective quarterback, he's going to be a college quarterback for a lot longer. And He's he's a guy that that understands it. He knows that he didn't have a, a great uh, he had a he had an awful stretch of football, and it 
in all honesty, probably cost his chances, his team a chance to win a bowl game. But he's moved forward. He hasn't looked rusty at all. Uh, he's looked pretty sharp in these first spring, first fall camp practices. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's much there in terms of scar tissue or, or anything like that. So Donovan Green is is out for the year, and he was one of the guys on Wake Forest offense that, you know, certainly I think a lot of people expected to have a major impact just kind of looking at how his career has progressed so far. Um, now he's out, but Wake's returning a pretty good bit of depth at receiver, and I know that Christian Smith, obviously at the running back position is a very good player. What's reasonable to expect out of out of Wake Forest offense now that Donovan Green is out? Because that seems like a pretty significant loss on the outside. It is. I mean, Donovan Green is is a guy that I was going into the season thinking, you know, this guy is probably a dark horse to be an All ACC receiver by the end of the year. I mean, he is. He's probably faster than Sage Surratt. Sage Surratt's kind of one knock on his game was that he was pretty slow. He could catch every contested pass you threw to him uh donovan's faster donovan if he were to be as physical as sage he could have a season where you know through nine games he's got a thousand yards and 11 touchdowns um that was sage in 2019 losing him you're you're not going to be better without him as a receiver it's just your receiving core is going to take a hit uh what it does is it opens up an opportunity you know they have Taylor Marin evolved and and grew behind Jaquari Roberson in the slot last year. And so they moved Taylor Marin to outside receiver. So he'll have one of those spots. He's a good little quick shifty receiver on the outside. Um, He's a little bit like Alex Bachman, who Wake had in 2017 and 18 and is currently on the Giants roster. Um, And then it's going to be any combination of three guys – um, who are going to have to step up. It's Donald Stewart is a grad transfer from Stanford who had five catches for 40-some yards against NC State in the second game last year and then disappeared. And we didn't know until after the season that he had an ankle injury. And he just told me today that uh, for two weeks after that game, he couldn't walk. So that that is a little different than just guy had a good game and then disappeared for the rest of the year. Right. Um Jamal Banks is a is a player they brought in. Uh, he was a freshman last year. I thought he would play a little more last year, but I think they kind of eased him into just being in in the mix, um, and he really wasn't in the mix. He's a guy that comes from a program in Baltimore. He played one one season for this program, St. Francis Academy, which is the program that. You know, got the HBO show about him because all the teams in their league didn't play him anymore. Um, and he was on the team that was featured in that in 2019. Uh, so he was playing against some some top competition every day in practice. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he does for the rest of the camp. Um, and then the, the kind of mainstay there is A.T. Perry. Um, he's a fourth-year guy. He was brought in as a project. I mean, he's a 6'5", 200-pounder who they've had to bulk up a bit. Um, to be able to win one-on-one matchups. He was, when they signed him, I remember thinking that the profile was really similar to Scotty Washington, who eventually became an NFL receiver. He was one of the really good receivers on that 2019 team. Good player. Yeah. 
Um, so I think they want him to be to be Scotty. Uh, just go up and catch balls over people. You're six five. That's you can't teach that. Um, their offense is gonna is gonna score. I mean, you know, last year they were replacing starters at every single position on the offense essentially, and they still scored something like thirty seven points a game. It was it's a little a little bit of a misleading stat because they put up 53 against Carolina. They put up a ton of points against Campbell in the one non-conference game. They lost a shootout with NC state, but they did, they, they score points. I mean, if one thing is certain under Warren Ruggiero um, after, after they moved past those first three years in the Clawson tenure, Wake Forest scores points. So offense, you don't really worry about, who are they replacing? They're they're pretty much until proven otherwise. It's kind of a thing where it's like you know they're gonna they're gonna be okay in this spot. Connor, you mentioned the season-ending injury to Donovan Green, and that was pretty impactful. The offensive line was also expected to have a lot of continuity from last year, which goes a long way, really, and especially in the run game and, and pass protection. I mean, it, that that does a lot. But then I know there was also a pretty significant preseason injury there. Yeah, it was it was tough to hear about Javionte Nash because he was a guy that, you know, for his first three or four years, it was they were kind of waiting and waiting and it just wasn't coming. And then all of a sudden he was a starter last year and he had a really good season. So you hate it for a kid that spends so much time developing and when it finally comes together and he puts together a good season, he can't follow up on it. But at the same time, it, it kind of opens the door for two other stories like that. Um, Spencer Clapp. It, it's the competition there has has already kind of narrowed more than I thought it would at this point. It's basically either going to be Spencer Clapp or Devonte Gordon as their other starting tackle. Um, they have Zach Tom as a starting tackle, and he's the the analytics tell you he's one of the better starting tackles in the ACC. Um, Spencer Clapp is another one who's been on campus for about four years. He's never been able to be healthy for an extended period of time. And now that he finally is, he's getting a chance to, to be a starting ACC tackle. And Devontae Gordon is a kid that he signed, uh, I think, in, in the 2017 class. And at the end of his high school career, he had a horrific knee or leg injury or something like that to where he had to basically gray shirt and had to come early the next year. So he's finally worked himself back into into being healthy and, and he's ready to compete for a starting job. Defensive side of the football, I mean, let's start with the obvious. Boogie Bash was not there anymore. Like, I know it's impossible to replace his production, but how are they going to try to do that? Yeah, it'll, it, it'll be Rondell Bothroyd um, starting in his spot and Rondell... Uh, I just keep talking about guys that are coming off injuries. Um, he had a torn ACL in the regular season finale at Syracuse in 2019. And he missed the first three games last year, trying to come back from it. And when he finally got out there, he just wasn't the same player um, that he was pre ACL. And so it's been a kind of a develop developing storyline uh, in the spring. I talked to him and I talked to him again today, actually about him getting his, knee back under him, getting his legs back under him, getting his explosiveness. He was listed at 275 on the roster last year, and he's down to 258. And, you know, now he likes he likes greens, uh, is, is what he was excited to tell me today, uh, other than Brussels sprouts. 
So whatever but, it takes. Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh he'll be the guy in that spot. It's not just gonna be him. I mean, Jasheen Davis was a huge recruiting win for them uh a couple years ago. They beat out some some big boys that were coming after him late and he didn't play much at all last year. Uh, but in the spring, you couldn't go a week without hearing somebody rave about his motor and his athleticism and his burst. So he's kind of, he's already kind of the next in line. You know, he's two years younger than Rondell and they've both got some significant years left of eligibility. Um, and it's a position where, you know, before Boogie Basham was in there, they had Duke Edgefer, and Duke Edgefer was a draft pick. Uh, he unfortunately has never been able to be healthy for the Texans, but you know it, it's it's kind of like when I talk about Wake's offense, and you kind of know that they're going to have somebody in that spot producing. They're going to have somebody in that field end spot that that gets penetration, that gets TFLs, that that gets pressures, and so. You know, they've they've got the guys that are talented enough to do it. It's just whether they're going to do it and how much they're going to do it. I mean, is it is it up front is the biggest question about this Wake Forest team coming into the fall in the in, on the defensive side of the ball, at least? I mean, I know uh, Jaquez Williams is also gone. You've got to replace him and his production. He was your leading tackler. He had, you know, some several sacks over the last couple of years, kind of a defensive leader. But otherwise, you you bring basically everybody else back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's – I mean, I would say the biggest question is just how much depth can be developed behind the guys that we know about. You know, they, they've got to figure out what the secondary is going to look like and who's going to be playing the safety positions. They've got so many options there. I mean, they went into cornerback last year, and we didn't know what cornerback was going to look like. We – you know, Jasir Taylor had spent three years behind Desang Bassey and Amari Henderson and – quite honestly, in those three years, had some really bad moments and you didn't know what he was going to look like. And then you're looking at the other corner position and it was going to have to be a true freshman. So they went from those question marks to Jasir Taylor having, I think he was either third team or honorable mention, all ACC. I mean, he had a great season, 45 tackles or so and two interceptions and maybe six or seven PBUs, something like that. And he, he emerged as a as a very very high level ACC cornerback and then Kalen Carson emerged as a freshman starter I mean he was landing in all those top 10 top 20 cornerbacks uh on pro football focus lists so they really turned cornerback into a strength in the in the course of a nine game season which is just ridiculous to me and they've got more coming. Like they brought in uh, two transfers, Isaiah Wingfield from Harvard and KJ Trujillo from, from Colorado who are going to help them. And they have another freshman corner, Gavin Holmes, who had a pick six at Syracuse and was really coming on at the end of that pick six. He suffered a season ending like hip injury. And so he's back. So yeah, it it's, it's just going to be a matter of, you know, can you, can you get a fourth linebacker ready? Can you get a fifth linebacker ready? Because you're going to have injuries. And the way Wake Forest plays offense, the way their time of possession, if if Wake Forest has 28 minutes time of possession offense in a game, they've held the ball for a considerable amount of time given how fast they go. That's going to wear a defense out. It's going to lead to more injuries 
for your defense. So you need to have, you need to have your depth on the defensive side of the ball. And that's where, you know, for, for two or three years now, that's, that's really been why they haven't finished seasons. Well, Connor's a bit open-ended, but do you think Wake Forest is the best developmental program in the ACC? I think it might be. I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough for me to say because they're the team I cover. I mean, I, I pay so much more attention to Wake Forest recruiting rankings and, and what kids do once they get in the program than any other school. Um, I'm inclined to say yes. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I can't, I can't tell you about whether Virginia might rival them for that. Um, I mean, they've certainly, they've had more wins. They, they get to play in the coastal, but uh, they went to an ACC championship game. Um, That's a path that is kind of roadblocked if you're in the Atlantic at this point, but yeah, if, if, if they're not, they're really close to being. I keep looking at like two thirds of the teams in this conference and thinking how I could qualify them as a good developmental program. And I keep realizing I would just be falling into like some joke or another about, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a whole lot of teams in this conference anywhere close to the level of, of wake, you know, in terms of their, their development. And kind of on that note, Connor, I was, I was a little curious to get your take too. One of the one of the staples of this Dave Clawson program has been that they they really don't play a lot of young guys. They they really value redshirting guys, and and the, the years when they're the best is when they're playing a whole bunch of juniors and seniors, kind of on both sides of the ball. And I felt like in 2020 we didn't really see that as much from this program. You saw a lot of freshmen and sophomores again, you know, catching the ball, running the ball on offense. Uh, making tackles and, and and leading that defense on the other side of the ball. Like, is that just a one-year anomaly, or do you feel like we've seen any sort of philosophy shift here in, in the recent years with the transfer portal and, and everything else? Yeah, I mean, you're you're not going to see it as much in the recruiting rankings, but the the player quality that they've brought in has improved in the last three or four recruiting classes. I mean – you know, Donovan Green was a four-star receiver. Um, that that you know, he and and he earned the four. You know, he came in with another four-star that maybe hadn't earned being a four-star. Donovan was the one that earned being a four-star. Um, but yeah, I would I would say so. Um, that there's they're always going to be a developmental program. There's just you you're never going to see Wake Forest competing with Alabama's and Clemson's and Georgia's for, for those players. Um, Dave, you know, Dave has two players from um, Cartersville high school, the high school of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, One of them was a a classmate. Ja'Cory Johns is going into his fourth season. And, you know, Dave has joked about uh, somebody asked him at one point, like, you know, did, did you ever, were you ever trying to talk to Trevor? Were you ever trying to like, when you, when you would go see your recruits, were you trying to like get in with Trevor? And, and Dave was has just been like, yeah, I mean, I talked to Trevor. I say, hi, how, you know, how you doing? Like Wake isn't beating Clemson for, for the number one quarterback in a class. Um, but what you can see is, is them start kind of edging up there. Um, 
you know, like Jasheen Davis, who I mentioned earlier, he was Tennessee really wanted to to get him. And I think there was even some thought that he was going to take a, a visit there and they were able to hang on to him. And now he's going into his second year. He's looking at being a contributor. It's, it's always just been about you get them into the program, see how much they can learn right off the bat. And if, if they can help right away, they can help right away. If not, then yeah, they're going to sit for a year or they're going to play in four games and then they're going to be ready to go in that second or third year. And, and I think that's, that's kind of been the sweet spot for them. Connor, taking a look at the schedule, Wake Forest win total, I've seen it anywhere from like six to six and a half. And for whatever reason, I'm looking at the schedule and how it sets up. It feels low to me. It does. It's it's all going to come down to how much they have left in the tank in November. And, you know, the, I, I've, I've, I'm pretty confident we're not going to know anything about Wake Forest after the first two games. I mean, ODU has got to be one of the biggest mysteries in college football. They've got a, they've got a second-year coach who hasn't coached a game because they opted out of last season. And then you're playing your FCS opponent in week two. Wake is probably looking at, at two blowouts in their first two games. Um, there's, there's no easy way to say that, uh, all due respect to those programs. So you're looking at that Florida State game, and we're going to learn a lot about Wake Forest. We're going to learn a lot about what that team will look like uh, when or if they get punched in the mouth in that game. And I would learn a lot about Florida State there, too. That's, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. You know, Florida State uh, – we'll see what they do against Notre Dame in their opener. And then I think their FCS game is week two also. So we're, yeah, we're, we're going to learn a lot about both of those teams. Um, Mike, please remember to slap me when I pick Florida state in that game. You got it, bud. (laughs) Uh, The game at Virginia, I think should be a toss up the game against Louisville. I mean, the Louisville wake forest rivalry has been so fun and I don't want it to die. I think (laughs) Clawson and Satterfield are kind of trying to extinguish it. And I want to, I, I need something to happen. Like I'm not wishing for a brawl or anything, but like, come on, we, we got to stoke this fire guys. Uh, Wakey leaks. Yeah. Just, just Again. keep pounding that drum. Uh, I just made a Wakey leaks reference in what I wrote today, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's been a really fun matchup. You know, wake finally kind of, turned the tide in their matchup in 2017. They beat Louisville when they had Lamar. And then in 2018, that Petrino is on his way out to and 10 season. Wake beat them like 56, 35. Um, then the last two years, it's been Louisville. It, it was Louisville giving them their first loss in 2019 um, to knock them out of the top 25. And last year, that was not a great Louisville team playing on senior day and, and one, I think, 42-24, something like that. So the the Virginia-Louisville games um, can can play a pivotal role in how good Wake Forest can be this year. Um, Syracuse is, you know, at the bottom at the bad. bottom of everybody's ballot. They're so bad. In Atlantic Division. Um, Army is tough. Army is, is, is an interesting one. Um, there's also a stat out there. Uh, I know Dave does not like me bringing this up, but uh, Wake, after extended periods off, 
does not have a very good record under Clawson. I think that's like two and nine or two and 10. It's, oh. it's really weird. And you think it's really, really bad. And then you do the research and college football kind of bears out that playing after an off week is not the advantage that you think it is. Mm-hmm. Like you just assume that teams are good having the extra week of rest an extra week of prep, but teams don't spend two weeks game planning in the, in that time. They right. spend the first week pretty much trying to take it easy and trying to get some rest. Um, but anyway, so playing a, playing a spread triple option that is going to throw the ball twice, maybe is, is interesting to face coming out of your off week. Um, then you got the big boys. I mean, then, you know, it's, you got Duke in there, but, um, and you know, they, they are, they have been what they've been for the past couple of years. Um, they're the homecoming game for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) State Carolina and Clemson right there in that stretch. I mean, that's, if, if you're playing, if, if you're in position to be playing for something when you're playing those games, that's what you want. You want to be in contention. You want to be playing games in November that, that matter um, besides just whether you're uh, going to, you know, I used to be able to say Shreveport, but I guess that's off the docket for ACC Bowl. So I guess like whether you're going to Birmingham or Boston or, or something like that. Mike, what do you see here from a record standpoint? Uh, I'm leading off, huh? <laughs> I jumped in before you could. Yeah, I know. You and I trade trade off, depending on the preview. Um, I'm gonna go with seven and five. I'm feeling seven and five. I mean, September and the and the first two Saturdays in October, Connor, you already referenced it. Like, I think those are, you know, I, I look at that. Florida State, Virginia, Louisville stretch, and I'm with you. I can't help but look at that as kind of making or breaking their season from a just purely from a win total standpoint. I I think this Wake Forest team is too good not to go to a bowl game. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from purely an over under total of six and a half, I think that stretch from the last Friday in September to the first two games in October are pretty pivotal. Um, I. You know, Wake's going to beat Syracuse, but weird things happen. With that being said, weird things happen at the Carrier Dome. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Wake Forest is a much better coach team than Louisville, but I think Satterfield could potentially have something to prove in year three. Maybe saying, okay, the bottom's not falling out as bad as everybody thinks it is. Um, I favor Wake there, though. Um, I like Wake on the road at Virginia. I think that's low-key, one of the toughest games of the year for outside of, of course, the, the big games at the end. That's one of the toughest games of the year, I think, for Wake Forest. Um, but I think that, you know, we're talking about two really good developmental football programs. That's going to be a really interesting Friday night game. Kind of like all eyes are going to be on that in the ACC. Um, that's going to be really interesting. At Army is is the one, though. Like, you got you to gotta go on the road to West Point, coming off a of bye week, you know what's ahead of you. You got Duke in the homecoming game the following week. Wake's going to be a, you know, three three or four touchdown favorite. I feel like against uh, against Duke. Duke's so bad. Army's just going to be a really really weird non conference game, and Wake cannot look past them because Army's been quite good recently. <laughs> so 
I'm going to go seven and five. There's some landmines here. I think it could certainly be better than that. I think Wake could could win eight. You know, I, I think it's there. Um, but I think seven and five is a really the really safe prediction. I think it's kind of right in the middle. Um, but I like this Wake Forest team a lot, and I think they have a chance to be pretty good. Connor, what about you? Record? You got a record prediction for this year? I'm. I'm kind of there. I, I kind of cringed when you said seven and five because I knew that was gonna kind of be mine. Um, you know, I'm I'm I I'm a little less bullish on this team than a lot of Wake fans, uh, some other people in the media are. I mean, I just they have to answer the same questions that they've had to answer for two or three years, and it's all about can you get to November with a healthy roster? Can you can you? keep a healthy roster through November because you have you have games in November that you are going to need a healthy roster to be able to win. Um, and can you can you prove that your defense can hold up when your offense only has the ball for 26, 27 and 28 minutes a game and is going lightning fast? It's just. It's. It's what Wake Forest does offensively to move the ball and to score points. And nobody can argue the fact that they haven't scored points and moved the ball in previous seasons. It's just, do you realize what that does to the defense? Do you realize that you're never going to have a, you know, better than average defense if that's the way you want to play offense? And so, you know, I'll be interesting to see if, if, Sometimes they slow it down offensively uh, or I'll be interested to see if they have the depth on defense to be able to kind of withstand what their offense is doing to them. I think I'm with you guys at seven and five, you know, and honestly, I I look at, I look at the schedule from like a a perspective of like, how does this, how does this roster compare to each of these teams and, and maybe a little bit of like an away versus home game kind of standpoint. And and I think just base case doing that would probably drop me at about six and six. But there's also this little thing that I got to do in my mind where like I adjust knowing how, how, how much I do or don't believe in a coaching staff. Mike, I, I've done this for a long time. Um, yes. This is a coaching staff that I very much believe in and it, they are going to be in games that they have no business being in. They might, they're probably going to win at least one that they're not supposed to win. Um, and so that's where I, that's where I end up at seven and five is, you know, again, like I look at, and by the way, North Carolina on the road, that's an, that's a non-conference game this year. It's easy to look at that and say, North Carolina is going to be like a top 10 team to start the year. You know, yeah, they don't have any business being in that game. Well, Wake Forest was leading that game with like two minutes left last year. Like, uh, not two minutes. It was, uh, they were up by three touchdowns, but it was third quarter. Okay. The I, wheels came off in the fourth quarter, and by the time there were two minutes left, I think Carolina was up two touchdowns. Okay. Either way, it was a wild competitive game, you know, and for a team that we expect to be pretty great, you know. I the, So all I'm saying, I, I, I do believe in this coaching staff and this program and kind of what they're doing and, again, all the continuity from last year. They're the second highest returning production in the ACC. I don't think we've mentioned that. Uh, that little factoid yet. So uh, I'm, I'm all in, I think it's seven and five. And like Mike said, I think there could be even upside to eight and four if everything really clicks and a couple of these toss ups come up heads. Yeah. The thing that I go to is, you know, 
Wake Forest's motto is, is to go from good to great this year. And when you're talking about having a great season, you're talking about having a, a championship. But when Clemson is in your in your division, it's going to be hard to win a championship. That's just the the nuts and bolts of it. Yep. But you're also when when you're talking about Wake Forest, you're talking about a program that in 2006 they won the ACC. Uh, they won 11 games. They went to the Orange Bowl. The following year, they won nine games. Those are the only two years in program history that they've won at least nine games. You can have a great season and go nine and three. And, you know, maybe you pick up a win at Carolina. You probably lose to Clemson. Maybe you lose to NC State and drop one of those early September games. But a nine and three season is a great season at Wake Forest. And and I think that that's reachable. It's doable. Uh, some things have to fall into place and some – some guys have to be overachievers, but you know that happens every year. Mike, that's all I got for Connor. Anything else while we got him? Connor, like always, man, appreciate having you on. I I think we're good. I this is a really interesting team. I don't know. The Atlantic's going to be wild outside of Clemson, of course. It's yeah, that's be wild. always the fun of it. Uh, you you know you you don't even use a pencil. You use a sharpie to write Clemson <laughs> at the top and. Syracuse oh, yeah. at the bottom, and then the rest is just going to shake out how it shakes out. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt ACC. about it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Connor, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate it, as always. Again, this has been some really great insight. Um, do you want to tell the people real quick where they can go find your stuff? Yeah. Um, so I'm on Substack. Uh, that is wakeupco.substack.com wakeupco.substack.com. Mike, I think that is a first for us having a Substack promoted on the podcast, but that's media in 2021, baby. Evolving medium. <laughs> Holding on for dear life. Absolutely. Well, you do a great job and and we really appreciate your time here and uh, we look forward to having you on again sometime soon, all right? Sure. Thanks guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Connor. Appreciate it, man. All right, Mike, that was Connor O'Neill. We got to get out of here. We got more previews coming. We're coming down the stretch here, but we still have a few more to do. Uh, in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS. Together, we are at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can go find him on Twitter. He is at Connor O'Neill FA. All one word, only one N in the Connor. So make sure you, you get that. But all sorts of great Wake Forest and beyond content. So go check him out. Uh, we are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on basically anywhere you can go find podcasts. Go find us. Hit, hit the follow button. Hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate that. Uh, you can send us an email with your longest, your, your goodness gracious, your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. I, I don't know if I did, but we'll, 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 yeah. we'll take it for now. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Go to Instagram.com at BC Podcast ACC. If you're using a web browser and you're weird. Hell yeah. Please do that. Please do that. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're all set. You want to come back and pre preview some more teams? Almost done. Almost there. We're almost there, and there'll be time for actual football. Can't wait. Yep. Coming. Can't wait. All right. Well, until next time, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Connor O'Neill, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.